It has been a fantastic week of pre preacher training camp. This morning officially concludes the week, although the young men preached on Friday for their peers. The rest of them are being sent out this morning. I say the rest of them, some of them have to go back to their homes because we bring them in from all over. And so the ones that were from out of town have gone back to their uh, respective congregations. But all of those that are within our congregation or the surrounding congregations are preaching somewhere this morning. So please keep them in your prayers as uh, two of our campers are at each site, at Trent, Buffalo Gap, Merkel, um, Jim Ned Valley, and then of course here. And uh, we are excited about Kent and Caleb Cates preaching this morning. Uh, Kent and Caleb uh, attend school at Clyde, although Caleb just graduated valedictorian will be going to Lubbock Christian University. Kent will be in sophomore. sophomore really, I would have got that wrong. So uh, Kent and Kayla's parents are Steve and Tracy Cates. I know they're proud of them this morning. We're proud of all of our young men. It was a great week. This was the best week we've had as far as kids getting rest, uh, being uh, uh, ready to go each and every day and really paying attention. We bring in different teachers every day to speak to the young men about breaking down a passage, about leadership. This year we talked about elders and deacons. And then of course every day homiletics, which is the study of preaching, is taught by Wayne Roberts. And he makes it fun and exciting as he takes a theme every year. This year is more of a samurai theme, as you can tell in the bulletin. And he did a great job with that. I just want to say this is not the future of our church. Okay, we need to stop saying that. This is our church. These two young men right here, along with uh, many of the other campers, could go and fill a pulpit right now, and they could do a great job. And so I'm very pleased uh, to turn it over to Kent and Caleb this morning, and I am excited for you to hear them. Good morning, everyone. Um, one night, a married couple was lying in their bed, and the husband asked his wife, if I died, would you get married again? The wife nodded her head and said, well, yes, yes, I guess I would. And then the husband asked his wife, well, if I died, would you give your new husband my pickup truck? The wife giggled and said in a sweet tone, of course I wouldn't give him your pickup truck. Then she yawned and said, and don't worry, he doesn't know how to drive a stick shift. Ethics and morality is the topic for this morning, and it has been a tough topic to research, but I have learned so much from wrestling on how to present it. And Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 reads, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, and a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. These are the things that God hates. These are the things that Satan uses to tempt us away from God. Are you a person who does what they say? Are you a person who follows up on a promise? In Proverbs 15:4, it states, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. How does God feel about honesty? In Proverbs, it tells about how God hates lying lips. 
Proverbs 14.3 and 13.3 read, A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. And those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. In Matthew 21.28, Jesus tells the parable of a father who told his two sons to go out and work in the vineyard to chief priests who were questioning him. One son in the parable told the father that he would not go and help him in the vineyard, while the other son told the father that he would be there to help. When the time came, the son that said he would not go went because deep down inside he knew he had to stick by his morals and help his dad. And the second son who said he would go ended up not going to help his father who needed his help. It tells in Matthew 21, 31 through 32, the rest of the story, which reads, Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. I know a time when Jesus made a promise to a man who was hanging on a tree. In Luke 23, it tells the story of Jesus' resurrection when Jesus was hanging in between two criminals. One criminal was slandering and cussing at Jesus while the other criminal asked Jesus to remember him again when he came in his kingdom. Luke 23:43 states Jesus' response. It reads, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. I wonder if that promise came true. We all know it did. Proverbs 13:15 reads, Good judgment wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful leads to their destruction. Don't let lies come from your lips. God detests lies. In Proverbs, it states, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. As we should never do anything God hates, we should never treat people who do immoral things wrong. Jesus was all about ethics and morals, yet he hung out with tax collectors and prostitutes, which are some of the people who struggle with ethics and morals the most. In Matthew 19, 12, and 13, Jesus states how the Son of God didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. In other words, he came for the immoral along with the moral. So as people wanting to do God's will, we should keep our morals as close to Jesus' morals as we can. We should go out wanting to tell about how God loves even in our darkest moments. We as Christians should be the ones turning the unethical, ethical, and the immoral, moral. But do not forget what 1 Corinthians 15:33 states about how bad company corrupts good moral. So while you are fighting the good fight, don't get sucked up into the world of evil. Don't let the world corrupt your good morals. In Romans 15 and 7:15 and 19, it reads, 
I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. As a teenager, I can tell you it isn't always easy to flee the temptation Satan throws at us. A few weeks ago, I went to a retreat out at White River Youth Camp, which is a little town in, or a little camp in Spur, Texas. On one of the last nights of retreat, the Bible teacher, teachers rounded everyone up in the mess hall, which is like our dining hall. And usually there are a, a lot of tables and chairs set out for everyone to eat at, but the Bible teachers had cleared away all of it and had put all these different stations for us to do. One station that really caught my eye was a station that had this huge refrigerator box with a sign next to it telling us and explaining to us that we should go inside and write on the inside of the walls just our struggles, our heartbreaks, our sins, and just giving it all up to God. Um, I was one of the last to go in, and when I did, it truly broke my heart to see that everybody was sinning with the same things I was sitting with and they were fighting the same evil things I was fighting. After a long night of um, deep reflection, the next morning we went to church at camp and they brought out that huge box. And immediately me and my friends were like, oh no, oh no, it's that box that made us feel horrible about ourselves. But then a little bit way into church, the Bible teacher went up on stage, cut open the box, and where and laid it out for everyone to see and where our sins and heartbreaks and trials once were stood a thick coating of red paint it hit me and my friends like a train when we realized that the red paint symbolized jesus blood and how jesus's blood covers over all of our imperfections we have all struggled with immorality let's not forget what that feels like while I was at preacher's training camp, they told us that we need to know our audience, so I'm going to talk to specific groups real quick. Young people, flee immorality. All throughout the Bible, God screams about how being immoral can lead to a life filled in sin. And when you feel tempted beyond what you think you can handle, I want you to remember James 4, 7, which reads, submit yourselves then to God, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If we stand firm and fight back against Satan in these hard times, then he will flee from us. Parents, don't, I tell you, do not. Always trust that your kid is making the right choices, especially in the world that we live in today. And you may not always be your child's favorite when raising them in the way of the Lord, and that is okay. Also, parents, don't forget the importance of coming to church and keeping your walk with God strong. And don't forget to keep your morals on track. Grandparents, or as I like to say, the wise, you have stood firm in your faith, and I encourage and admire you as you get older to tell your knowledge of your morals and ethics that kept you safe from Satan's grasp to the younger in the church. We all have had our morals clouded by the way of the world at some point in our lives. And I encourage everyone here as you continue your walk 
to not let your morals and what you know is right get lost in the craziness of this life. And remember to live like Matthew 5:16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you. Good morning, church. This year was my last year at Preacher's Training Camp, and Preacher's Training Camp was exceptional. Um, There's an amazing amount of love and guidance that is given to the boys who attend, from Blake and Jake to Chris. Um, all these men, thank you so much for the time and effort that you pour into this camp. Um, thank you to the church uh, just for all your hospitality, uh, for providing some awesome meals, and for everything that you do for us. It's, it's greatly appreciated. A while back, Chris told a story, and it was a story about a man on his deathbed. The man was in love with his riches, and he wanted to take them with him everywhere he went. But as he neared death, he realized there was a problem. So he created a plan, and he told his loving wife to take all his bags of money and put it in the attic. He planned that when he died, he'd just go up to heaven, and he'd grab his money on the way up. The minute he died, his wife remembered his plan, and she raced up to the stairs to the attic. Uh, she kicked open the door, and to her surprise, there laid all the bags of money. She stomped her foot in disgust. She said, I knew I should have put the bags in the basement. <laughs> the topic that was given this year, uh, this, the topic that I was given at PTC this year was riches. My first thought was, where should I take it? As a young man, I hope that in my future, I'm able to provide for my family, as well as have a little bit of extra money in the bank. Do I want to be rich? Sure, I'm not running from it. But uh, I'm looking forward to my future, and my dad says that I'm his future retirement plan. <laughs> However, if I grow into adulthood and things don't work out financially for me, or for my dad, um, I don't want to be dependent on others. I don't want to be a burden on others, but I want to have the ability to give rather than to receive. The Bible has shown me a lot of things this past week, and I'd like to share with you what I found. In 1 Kings, the Bible gives us a great example of a wealthy man. In chapter 10, verse 23, it reads, King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings on the earth. In 26, we get a great illustration of Solomon's wealth. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in chariot cities and with him in Jerusalem. Wow. I don't think I've ever known anybody with 1,200 horses. In fact, I don't think I know anybody with 100 horses. But despite the fact that Solomon had so much wealth, um, he still wrote in Proverbs 23.4, Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Restrain yourself. He says even earlier in Proverbs 16, To get wisdom is much better than getting gold. To get understanding should be taken instead of silver. There's a desire for wealth, but there's a foolishness that money brings. Um, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 reads, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 
This tells me that if we chase the things of this world, we're wasting our time. But if we follow God's plan, we'll have eternal life. Mark 4.19 reads, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things to come in, uh, and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. I can want the things of this world, but it's going to choke out God's word. Uh, we have a family friend who uh, we saw not too long ago, and he was telling us about a missionary trip that he went with his son to Africa. Um, while they were in Africa, they were staying with the tribe, and the son was given the task to give his first lesson ever. He was tasked to tell them a story to prick their hearts about Jesus' love. He had two days to think about what he'd say, and over the course of time, he lived and laughed and loved the tribe. He walked on the dirt floors with the tribe. He lived in the huts with the tribe. And they looked up to him because he was wealthy. He was from America, and he had all the things that they'd ever wanted. In fact, he, he had something just as simple as shoes to portray his wealth. The people thought he was a rich man. But what could a rich man teach them? Um, he delivered a story. Um, this is what he shared. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false te testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The missionary who told this story about his son was very proud because his son used the story of the rich young man to show that he wanted Jesus, and they wanted the tribe to see Jesus. It's because he conveyed a kindness of heart, showing them that it, it was harder for someone with many possessions to see God. He showed them that the playing field was equal, and that what truly mattered was where their possessions were. Not how much treasures they had, but what they had their treasure in. Jesus continued to say, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. In America, this story is often used to chastise wealth. Or we use it to compare ourselves to the rich young man based on how we use our wealth. But unfortunately, for the rich young man, he had a desire to do God's will, but he could not walk away from an even larger desire. My friend wisely chose how Jesus talked up the heart that he wanted out of all men. Riches will always be a tough topic for mankind. It was a tough topic in Solomon's day, it was a tough topic in Jesus' day, and it's still a tough topic to this day, but it's still so applicable. applicable. In the beginning of his ministry, Jesus challenged our hearts by saying, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Near the end of Matthew, Jesus challenges you with, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, and with all of your mind. The challenge when it comes to riches is, where's your heart? Solomon made it clear that there are rich men that are poor and poor men that are rich. In the end, it's about the true evaluation of ourselves in seeking the kingdom of God. If you're struggling with where your heart is in the kingdom, or if you're struggling with your morals and ethics, if you've been struggling in sin and need the prayers of this church family, I invite you to come now as we stand and sing.